from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. This is Jennifer Gavin at the Library of Congress. Late September will mark the 11th year that book lovers of all ages have gathered in Washington, D.C. to celebrate the written word at the Library of Congress National Book Festival. The festival, which is free and open to the public, goes to two days this year, Saturday, September 24th, and Sunday, September 25th, 2011. The festival will take place between 9th and 14th Streets on the National Mall, rain or shine. Hours will be from 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Saturday, the 24th, and from 1 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. on Sunday, the 25th. For more details, visit www.loc.gov bookfest. And now it is my pleasure to introduce author and actress Julianne Moore, whose latest book for children is titled Freckleface Strawberry, Best Friends Forever. Ms. Moore, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Most of our listeners know you for the lengthy list of films you've appeared in, about 60 from the sources I've seen. Uh-huh. We're delighted to have you joining us as an author at the National Book Festival this year. Could you tell us how you came to write this series of books for young people? Hmm. Well, it was actually a suggestion of a friend who worked in the book business, and he said to me, you know, my children were very small at the time, and he said, oh, you should write down something, you know, anecdotal about your childhood. Your kids would love it. And I laughed at him because at the time he didn't have any kids. And I said, children really don't care about your childhood. They only care about theirs. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it stuck with me. The idea stuck with me. And for some reason, I remember this nickname that I had when I was seven, which was the age that my son was at the time, um, Freckle Paste Strawberry. And, and sort of from that, from that nickname kind of came this character and, and the first book. But really, it was, it was also a reaction to my son um, at seven, who, who was, I thought was an absolutely perfect child, suddenly looking in the mirror and saying, Mommy, I don't like my teeth. My teeth are too big. Um, and seven is through the age when children first become self-conscious. And so that was what, that, that was the impetus of Freckle-Faced Strawberry, too. That was when I first started really hating my freckles and hating my hair and not liking any of that. So. The book is really about how all kids kind of go through that at that age, but you grow up, and those things don't necessarily go away as they do in, in, in like fairy tales, but we just get used to them. You know, our hair or our ears stick out or um, our, our crazy height or our freckles or whatever. You know, I still have all that stuff, but I just care less because I have other things to worry about. <laughs> yeah, I certainly remember those uh, days yeah. of my own. Well, not only has the book series been well-received, but I understand this story became a musical. I enjoyed a video I saw of it with the title character being tormented by her singing and dancing freckles. <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit about the musical. Yeah, that was a really lucky circumstance for me. It was a, um, you know, a woman read my books and she happened to have a, a theater in Manhattan and, and asked permission to develop it into a musical. Initially it was going to be just a workshop for children at this theater that she ran. And then um, the workshop went so well that they developed into a full-fledged off-Broadway musical, and it ran for um, just about a year off-Broadway, and I think it's going to open again in November at MMAC on West 60th Street. But it was just, it was kind of amazing to sit there in the audience and, and, and watch your, you know, your picture book turn into a full-blown musical. Well, and that was you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what sort of feedback do you get from kids about your books? I'm sure everyone can relate to this kind of a story because everybody is self-conscious about something. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been I, mean, the most, I think the most rewarding thing about writing the books has been talking, you know, reading in school to, to kids and talking to kids about it because 
you know, Jeff, with the first book is that issue of, of kind of, 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 I don't know, self-confidence and, and, you know, how do you feel about yourself personally? And the second book is about, you know, it's called Dodgeball and, and uh, Fuck the Strawberry and the Dodgeball Bully. And that's really about um, children dealing with their fears. One child has a fear of physical things and one child has a fear of, of imaginary things. So, you know, with, with, in both instances, I, I'd start talking to kids about, like with dodgeball, I said, what are you afraid of? I say, you know, I'm not, personally, I said, I'm not afraid of the dark, and I'm not, and I like scary stories, and I'm not afraid of spiders, but I don't like balls, and I don't like things going fast, and I don't like anything coming toward my head. <laughs> and then they laugh, and they say, I'm not afraid of spiders, but I, you know, I am afraid of the dark. And we just we kind of go around the room, we talk about it that way. And so, you know, all of these books are just about, hopefully, what's happening in their lives. You know, what, what is what, what's the social and emotional fabric of these children's lives. And the, and the kind of the sweet spot for, for these stories is like six and seven. So even though they are picture books and kids and adults can read them to littler kids, where they really start articulating their own feelings around these issues is around six or seven years old. I see. Many of the films in which you've appeared were based on well-known novels. For example, mm-hmm. The End of the Affair, The Shipping News, The Hours. Yeah. Do you tend to go for scripts after you read a novel, or do you prefer to follow the film director's take initially and find out what the author really meant later? Um, well, you know, it's a, it's, when, you, when you make a film, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge reader, and I think there's a reason that I'm attracted to scripts that are based on novels. It's, it's generally because the material is, is better. Um, so if you're lucky enough to be in you know, the, the movie version of The End of the Affair. I mean, it was just, it was such a, it was such a gift. Um, that was, you know, Neil Jordan made a, a really beautiful adaptation of the novel. So what I always do is, you, you know, you have the script, the screenwriter, often it's a screenwriter director um, has written, and then you also have the novel, and you kind of look at them both, and you talk to the director, and, you know, most, most of the, the directors I've worked with are always very interested in doing a faithful adaptation of the book, you know, there's it, it's it's highly unlikely that somebody wants to take something and tear it apart. So, so generally, they're in sync, the the um, the book's author and the and the screenwriter. Um, in the case of the hours, I spoke to David Hare and Michael Cunningham about um, about the book and thought that you know, and Michael Cunningham's book is so dense and rewarding and also so incredibly internal. I, I really didn't know, I, I couldn't figure out how David was going to be able to communicate that in the screenplay, and yet he did. I mean, he did absolutely beautifully. There was just a way that, I mean, especially in my section, the Laura Brown section, you know, she, the woman's depressed. She barely speaks, but he was able with very minimal dialogue to communicate everything that Michael communicated. Um, it's very helpful to know that that old saying that the uh, the book is always better than the movie may not be true in every case. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's, I mean, you, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, because they're both completely subjective experiences, films and and movies. And I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, books and and movies and books in particular because it's such a such an internal, isolated experience. So your personal imagination, I think, is always going to be better than what anybody else's imagination is. I mean, I think where you can go, you know, inside your own mind is, is going to surpass everything. Um, as we speak, your movie Crazy Stupid Love is doing well in the theaters, and I see that within a few months you're going to be re- reunited with Jeff Bridges in a movie based on the young adult book series The Seventh Son. What can you tell mm-hmm. us about that? 
Well, it's a fantasy series for, uh, like I said, young adults um, about a boy who is the seventh son of the seventh son and, of course, has magical powers. And Jeff plays a character called Spook who sort of, who apprentices the boy to get rid of all these evil witches. And I play Mother Malkin, who is, I guess, the, the most evil witch of the 17th century. <laughs> so it's the first time I've played, you know, an outright... Uh, old-fashioned evil witch, and it'll be great to get to do it with Jeff, and I'm really looking forward to it. And and I haven't read the series of, of books for kids yet, but I'm, we don't shoot until next year, so I'm going to read it before we start shooting. Speaking of Jeff Bridges, my husband, who's a great Coen Brothers fan, will divorce me if I do not ask you whether you've been surprised by the cult-like interest in your film The Big Lebowski. You played Maud Lebowski, of course. Mm-hmm. We have all been very surprised. I mean, I love that movie and was so thrilled to be a part of it. And one of the interesting things was that when it came out, it kind of came out with a thud. You know, people just didn't seem to, or, or critics or whatever, people didn't seem to respond to it. And we all loved it, and we were like, well, you know, whatever. And then over the years, it just became this, as you said, this huge sort of cult-like film. <laughs> um, and, I mean, there's actually even in... Um, in August in New York City, there's going to be this sort of gathering of Lebowski Fest, and Jeff's going, and I'm going, and Stevie Semi, and John Turturro, and John Goodman. You know, they have these sort of celebrations all over the United States every year for the big Lebowski. So, yeah, it has been incredibly surprising, but I'm thrilled because I feel like the film, you know, the film does warrant it. It's a, it's a wonderful, really, really wonderful, really rich, funny film. Yeah, my husband was telling me that he's a Twitterer, and he says that there's something called the bot Lebowski. That if anyone mentions the word Lebowski, you'll get a, you'll get a message from the bot Lebowski with a quote from the film. <laughs> really? Okay, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet something about it then. <laughs> um, in view of your success as an author now, have you considered writing for other age groups? Well. Um... It's interesting. I mean, I, I, I haven't considered writing for other other children's age groups. I am working on an adaptation of a short story that I'd like, you know, the screenplay that I'd like to direct someday, if, you know, if I ever finish it. But I was really struck by something that Maurice Sendek said in a documentary that I saw about him not so long ago. I guess somebody asked him, why did he, why did he write children's books? You know, why did he write these picture books? And he said, it comes out how it comes out. And I laughed so hard, but I thought, yeah, I don't think anybody really intends to write the way they write. It's, it's um, you know, suddenly the story comes out and, and it's a story geared towards, you know, three to eight-year-olds. You didn't really mean it. It's just that's how it came out. I see. So I don't know that writing has a whole lot to do with intention. Sometimes it's just about where, you know, where it emerges. Um, that's interesting. Um, I... I uh... I don't think I've ever heard quite like that before, and I'm fascinated. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's you know that's Maurice Sendak. I mean, he was the one that's that I completely took that from him. Yeah, and it and it sounds like it rang true for you. Yeah, yeah, it did. Well, I have to say we're very excited about seeing you at the National Book Festival this year, and on behalf of the Library of Congress and the National Book Festival team, thank you so much for joining us for this Hello. 2011 National Book Festival podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, I can guarantee you the signing lines when you go to sign books are going to be quite lengthy. Oh, well, that's exciting. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. We've been hearing from author and actress Julianne Moore, who will appear on Saturday, September 24th, 
in both the Children's Pavilion and the Family Storytelling Stage at the 2011 National Book Festival on the National Mall. This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.